Hey, oh, welcome everyone to episode 87 of Today in the Scene. I'm Joe with Indie Arcade Wave, and I just want to say thank you for checking us out. If you like what we're doing here at Indie Arcade Wave, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, and we'll just keep the interviews coming. So we've done a lot of interviews with arcade owners, people that run conventions, developers, things along those lines, but I haven't interviewed anybody that is collecting purely out of passion. Um, so I've got Till with me today. Till runs Broken Arcade, um, and he's got an insane collection in his garage. So we're going to just kind of jump in and figure out where his journey has taken him and hear a little bit more about him. So how you doing, Till? Good, buddy. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, I know it was not necessarily short notice, but you were pretty quick to be like, let's just jump on here. Let's talk about this. And I appreciate that. So um, let's just start with you. Just tell us a little bit more, a little bit more about yourself, uh, what you do, stuff like that. Well, I mean, my professional background, I'm mainly a serial entrepreneur, own multiple businesses. I'm into real estate been in the music industry for quite a while, produced quite a few artists, you know, as of recently in the last five years, doing a lot of hip hop for some some larger influencers. And, you know, being a product of the 80s, I still remember uh, remember playing arcades as a kid. And so, you know, I started a, the hobby with the arcade thing. So, you know, I keep my professional stuff separate in a sense where it doesn't much bleed into uh, into my hobby work. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's about it. Awesome. Well, I was going through your Instagram. I've checked out your YouTube and you've got a pretty crazy collection. And I, I'm always curious for people that have these mini games. When did this start? Like, where did you really get into arcade games? Like, what is one of those earliest memories where you're like, I think I could I could love this forever? Yeah. Yeah. Great question, Joe. So I lived on Maui for about 20 years. Um and then I came back to, I was originally from, from San Diego, California. And, and then I was out on Maui when I was younger for about 20 years and then came back and there was no arcade games really out there. And I was, I've told this story before on, on some of my YouTube channels, uh, pieces, but looking on Craigslist for some tools and I see this old broken Miss Pac-Man and this is uh, back in 2015. So I, I look at the Pac-Man. I don't even know you could buy these things. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what, I'm going to go check this out. I call the guy up. I, I drive like an hour and a half to get this machine. And he tells me like, oh, I don't even think this thing has lights. And he's, he kind of gave me a little bit of a story about it. Um, he's just trying to sell it. I paid way too much for it. But Miss Pac-Man is one of those games that it's not a fantastically exciting game, but the nostalgia around it for me was very, very big. Um, I used to go to a steakhouse back when I was a kid with my parents and we'd play Galaga and Miss Pac-Man. I remember sitting for hours you know, begging for quarters to play this Miss Pac-Man where I drank my little Roy Rogers soda. And so actually going out and seeing one an upright Miss Pac-Man in, in real life and being able to buy it was was amazing. So I brought that back to the house. And at that time, we parked in the garage. And uh, my girlfriend at the time was was out of town. And I had sanded it down and just rebuilt it and cleaned it all up, got it fixed. And she came back a week later and you know, the Miss Pac-Man, <laughs> she didn't last, but the Miss Pac-Man's still there. And it, it's 2015, it's my first game. And now in 2022, I'm a little over 50 games in the collection. But Miss Pac-Man got it started. Yeah, I mean, that's that's funny. The, the first one you buy is always a little overpriced uh, just because you don't really know what's what's quality and what's not. But I, I think that's cool that Miss Pac-Man is the one that really stands out to you because I think it's got a really unique story with how I don't remember exactly where it was. The students at an Ivy League school just like kind of made a new board, even though Namco didn't know about it. Um, so right. I think the backstory on Miss Pac-Man is really cool. 
and definitely unique to the arcade industry. Um, yeah, absolutely. And when- you told us that's where your collection started. Um, what were the next couple of games you got? Because you restored that Miss Pac-Man from like pretty much like the bottom it could possibly be, right? Yeah, it was beat up really bad. The board didn't work. The monitor did come on, but I didn't know what I was getting into there. And so from there, I didn't, I didn't really think about getting more games. That seemed like insane. Why would I fill up my garage with these bulky <laughs> old games? I mean, you can play pretty much everything on your, on your phone, but I don't think it was more about playing. It was more of having these nostalgic art pieces. And, you know, there's an argument to be had as these games are only original once, so restoring them um, sometimes takes away from the patina and the and the originalist. But this Miss Pac-Man it was just really beat. So <clears throat> I decided to look on. Uh, I mean, everyone's a, most people are fans of Nintendo games, and Donkey Kong Jr. was always uh, a game I remember playing at Chuck E. Cheese. I like the artwork better than than Donkey Kong, although I am a Donkey Kong fan. But I was looking on Craigslist again, and and I saw Donkey Kong Jr. This was about three hours from my house, and I said, you know what, I'm gonna go pick that up. And this game, the guy said the monitor doesn't work very well, but he's priced it. It was very cheap. I think it was like you know two hundred dollars something like this, and that's pretty cheap for for Donkey Kong Jr. for those who are in the in the hobby. You so I went and picked get it up and near that now. Oh no, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're they can be upwards of you know two thousand, which is pretty radical but you'll you'll see people actually getting that sometimes um but their deals are out there but long story short i picked up the uh the donkey kong jr it was in beautiful shape it had a chuck e cheese sticker on the side a very small one and there was chuck e cheese tokens inside and the only thing wrong with this cabinet was the brightness on the monitors need to be turned up a little bit it was in fantastic shape it worked perfect and that was the second game that i got that's a much easier fix than that (laughs) pac-man Yeah, and and at that point too, I started meeting people in the community. There's a you know KLOV is uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar. That was a you know an arcade and gaming community. You could ask questions, get support, and and everyone was very supportive. I didn't even know this these types of you know boards existed, and it was great to get that the heads up. And I actually met a collector on my way back from this who said he would check it out and he had keys for it. And he, he really gave me a heads up and it was very supportive. And he said, all this needs is brightness. And this is before I knew anything about really fixing things. So community, very supportive, but yeah, that was the second game. And from there it went from that. And I think I got a Tron, then it was an area 51, then a star Wars, then a seven twenty, then a, a paper boy. And I really just started picking off games that I remember playing as as a kid like the paper boys at the local 7-eleven was that in wwf wrestling the 720 i played at uh at out in, in las vegas when i was a kid the tron was like dear to my heart because you're hearing actual movie sounds coming out of this this machine and when the 80s you know as simple as these games are to to uh to folks today i mean they were like marvels of technology i mean graphics on the screen and movie sounds was just like it was amazing right um, so I just started picking up one by one things, games that really, you know, struck me and, and held that nostalgic value and, and were, you know, true art pieces for me. And I just kept going on the list. And now it's, it's, as I met more people in the community and, and actually discovered more games, I just kept collecting. And, and so now, I mean, no one parks in the garage. It's just, you've, you can go to the, you know, the Instagram pay, uh, account and see that, you know, there's games everywhere now. So yeah, you're not fitting a car in that garage. It's uh, no, loaded no. with games. Um, yeah. So so with all these games that you've collected over time, 
when did you decide that you wanted to start Broken Arcade? Like, when did you decide you wanted to document your journey and kind of be another place for people to find out how to fix their games? Yeah. Um, so every Halloween, I open up the garage to the neighborhood and the kids, and everyone has a really good time. People trick-or-treating come in and, and play the games. And I'm watching the adults, you know, are super happy, smiling, playing the games. They're, they're reliving their memories, but they're also showing their, their kids these games, and they're super stoked and and having fun doing that. And, you know, I always had such a good feeling about it and everyone's having so much fun. And I just wanted to, you know, create a, an account where I could share some of that and show the collection. And, and those who find the nostalgic value in that um, can come there and, and find a place where they can, you know, continually get good content. Um, so I'm not sure when I started the page, I, I just sparsely po posted there. I mean, just random stuff, random arcade stuff. It's been recent in the last, I'd say, 90 days that I've started posting consistent content and doing, you know, showcase reels of actual arcade games, like just about Star Wars and do a minute reel on that or, or Tron. And I'm going through each of, uh, each of the games in the garage as well as going to um, some other arcades, uh, home arcades, and I'll be doing some content there. But probably in the last 90 days, I get serious about it that I thought, you know what? A lot of people like this content. I, I couldn't quite find a page that had the content that I wanted to see. I mean, although there's some fantastic accounts out there, I just wanted to create something that I could sit back and, and look at. And so it's kind of growing from there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I found you about a month ago. And you're right, the content has just been constantly flowing in. And you've got awesome videos kind of talking about custom mods that you've done and different repairs that you've done. And I'm curious about what has been the most difficult repair that you've done. Like, what game did you find that was should have been put in the trash that you were able to bring back and like really restore to the, its former beauty. Yeah. Well, that's a double edged sword there. And that's a, there's games that were made for the trash would have been the teenage mutant Ninja turtles, but the hardest fix was Monaco GP, but I'll start with the, with teenage mutant Ninja turtles. That game came from a, from a construction site and I, I got it for $60. A buddy of mine said, Hey, I have this beat up cabinet. And I was looking for a Simpsons at the time said, I have this beat up cabinet. I think it's a Simpsons. I'll sell it to you for 60 bucks. He sent me a picture. I'm like, okay, I'll take the challenge. So I got this game and I'm, I'm telling you, Joe, it was beat down. It was horrible. I mean, it had these crazy stickers and painted all these different colors. Like you'll see these games, the control panel had been drilled a million holes. It's probably a street fighter three or four times in its life. Um, so I, I get the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I started... Well, I didn't know it was that yet. It was actually a Sunset Riders because it had a, a Sunset Riders sticker on it, but I got to taking it apart and peeling off the layers of the side and realized, you know what? This isn't a Simpsons. I had all the parts ready for a Simpsons, and it was a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But what, what made this so hard is it had like four layers of paint. It took me like a month to get through all that, clean it and sand it and get the artwork and put it together. And, and I originally stored it as I found out it was a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, that's what I restored it to. I felt like that's what it needed to be, where Simpsons cabinet is slightly different. So that's why I didn't choose to do Simpsons. But that was uh, a tough, that's one that should have been in the trash, probably. That was kind of like, wow, that was a lot, a lot, a lot of work. I probably could have found one for a lot cheaper. But I felt like, you know what, I have the ability to do this, and I'm going to do that. Um, but the most challenging fix was Monaco GP. So that's one a favorite game of mine. I hold the or share the world record in that. And Monaco GP only goes to nine 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 nine. So I got pretty good at that and submitted um, my scores. And that's when I really started getting into trying to fix it because that game breaks is notorious for breaking. Those who know the the PCB in that game 
it was it was made in a way that's very very or radically difficult to fix but i took it upon myself to fix it and it took me about six months to learn i have no experience fixing boards i just bought lots of lots of different chips and and tools and i was able to fix it um but that game that was that was crazy i don't think i'll do that again there's people a lot smarter than me that fix those boards but i don't know how many people are fixing monaco gp boards i had to do it out of necessity but that would have been the hardest one it, it, I mean, it was insane I mean, those those seem like two pretty good ones. And I saw the pictures from that uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and that thing looked super rough. Like, once you could finally see the graphics that it was a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, it, you could barely even tell. So I'm, I'm not surprised that it was that difficult for you to figure that out in the beginning. Um, I guess let's let's talk about the top five games you have in your collection. You've kind of mentioned what your favorites are. Um, let's go by rarity. Actually, I'm curious to know, like, the rarest games you have. So what are the top five rarest games you have in your collection? Uh, let's see. Rarest games. Well, I've got, well, I don't know if I have any really rare games. Um, I would say that I've got a food fight. That's not really rare. Um, I've got a space zap. Um, it's kind of a black and white. I think it's from 1980. You don't see a lot of those around. Uh, not many people have those in the collection. I do have a, stunt cycle in the garage or i'm in the storage they made a lot of those but i don't see a lot of working stunt cycles um i've got a super bug um not a fantastic game but you don't see many of those probably more on the rare side uh let's see what else i have i do have a i would say those are the more rare games i've got you know a few in the garage oh i've got a tapper but these aren't really rare rare i think some of the rare ones are some of the black and whites um from from you know the the golden era you know the 70s had quite a few arcades that are more rare um you know like there's a time machine i don't know if you remember that one that was the one um, by sega right yeah so that's that would be more rare i don't think i have anything too rare um but i do have some expensive ones you know and like top five if we're going to go through that like dragon's lair yep was like an all-time favorite game i had to have that that's that's definitely top of my collection uh tron you know dragons are also pretty hard to get tron um miss pac-man of course um indiana jones and the temple of doom um joust and pole position i think that's five all great games i mean every every single game you had there was great the ones you said were a little more rare i haven't played many of those but um yeah i mean definitely cool games and since you have this collection, you have a collection of like really solid games, um, games that you'd see at arcades sometimes, not every time. But if you went into an arcade, what games would you want to see there? Like, where do you think you would gravitate towards first? Yeah, I like I like playing games that I haven't. Uh, well, it's an interesting question because as I got in this hobby uh, out in Eagle, Idaho, there used to be a giant arcade with you know hundreds of machines, and it was Grinkers. So. The games you gravitate to are things that are familiar to you because you know how to play them and game. And then, but Space Zap, for instance, was a game that I wasn't quite familiar with, but someone showed me. So I think games that a lot of the black and white games that have really interesting art but simple, I gravitate toward those because it's I enjoy looking at the artwork on those. They're not very exciting to play, but I really appreciate how in that time where the the actual technology of the game wasn't quite there but they really tried to make up for it with all the fantastic artwork or it even have like artwork in the background popping out and making it part of the game. So I think those I really appreciate. And, and I look at some of those games and then there's other games in the eighties that, that I 
played and was never really good at most of them. But as I'm older now, I can go and have a different perspective and, and play them. You know, like Discs of Tron um, was an interesting game. Food Fight was one that I was never good at, um, which I don't really remember much as a kid. But I that game is, you know, crazy artwork on that as well. But I would say games that have really fantastic artwork is what I would gravitate to now. It's not so much the gameplay, but how they incorporate it into uh, the, the whole of the of the game of the theme. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. I mean, that's something that I really look at. And you, you, I mean, you hit on the point that these games, when you look at the gameplay, it's so simple. There's not a ton of art there. Like they did what they could at the time, and then they just have these beautiful, elaborate art pieces on like the playfield and the side art. And it just, it makes you want to play it, even though that's not actually what you're getting into. Um, yeah, I, I don't know last... how many people are considering, um, apologize for interrupting, but I don't, I don't know how many people are considering the marketing that goes into these, because I don't think it's a bunch of tech guys making this and saying, we're going to make all this elaborate artwork. I think they have a pretty savvy marketing team that says, listen, this is a bunch of lines and sticks, and we need to make the most crazy artwork we can to attract people to this thing. And especially as time went on, you might've had a small dev team and you're not Atari, and you really have to work hard, and you hope you get a license deal, you're going to make the most fantastic-looking cabinet you can because at least it'll attract people right. to it. They'll spend some money before they decide, well, maybe it's not for me, but I, th- I think the marketability and, and the mind that went into that to try to compensate for some of the poor gameplay, I think it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. I guess I, I was going to ask you one last question, but another one came up to mind, and that is... What do you think of the new indie games? I know we spoke a little bit before, like you are aware of Killer Queen, but what games have you seen and what do you think about these new games that are coming into the scene? I think it's awesome. I, I think any point where, where people are putting, you know, creative thought and doing doing indie games, whether it's indie music or or any kind of bootstrapping of, of a project, I think is great. It's it, it can expand a whole hobby and turn it into an industry. So I think I'm really interested in, in a lot of the projects where people are either port, not porting games, but they're creating games for like Atari 2600. I thought that's pretty interesting. They're, they're, you know, building uh, a games there. I think the, in the, as you know, the 80 kids start getting older, this will still phase out. And then the 90 90s kids stuff will become popular. And I think there's always an opportunity to either be in a hobby space or, actually capitalize on it. I think those who are more savvy at this can turn it into a pretty decent business. It's not unheard of. Dude. I mean, you could easily pull six figures if you had a, 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 a mark, some marketing savvy and a decent, uh, decent game. I mean, with the, the way you can market on the internet, there's a lot of avenues. So, I mean, maybe you're not getting rich making millions off it, but I think you could have some fantastic side hustle money. And I really like how people are so passionate about it. It, it can grow just off uh, passion you know, and, and the hobby sense. So I, I support it a hundred percent. I think it's really interesting. I like how people are borrowing from, you know, other games and, and pulling retro themes in. I just, I feel like that's, you know, the next generation of these, of, of the birth of these games on some of it, it's what it could be, what this game could be or what it should have been. Um, but yeah, I think it's really interesting, Joe. I, I love it actually. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad to hear that from a, a collector and I, I think you're so right about that. It's it's going to keep phasing as people get older, each generation. I mean, it's like you can't go to an arcade bar now without seeing Simpsons and TMNT. Like those have to be in there. And they've right. probably got Pac-Man. They've probably got Galaga. They probably have Donkey Kong. But those are like maybes, you know, not every time. Uh, but those couple games they have to have. And I think as we move forward, people are going to want to see new content, right? I mean, these games are only going to be enjoyable to everybody for so long. So having new stuff is definitely cool. Um, 
I guess last question for you is what's the Holy grail? Like what game has eluded you that you've been looking for? Price tag does not matter. What, what game would you pick up in a second if you saw it? Yeah. uh, I've been looking for a skydiver for quite some time. This is a game I never played as a child, never heard of it. Uh, But at Grinker's um, it's a, it's, well, it's a skydiving. It's a black and white game and it's one that I've wanted for quite some time. Uh, If I could find it, it'd be great. I do know someone who has one. Um, but they don't, I haven't seen one come up and since, at least since I've been collecting, you know, and what's interesting is quite a few years back, people buy these, not just skydivers, but all these games for, you know, pennies on the dollar, um, you know, 50, 60, hundred dollars, $200. And now they're thousands and thousands, but a skydiver, anyone out there knows where skydiver is or wants to sell one, you know, hit up Joe or, or, or hit me up, but definitely buy that. Awesome. That's one that I haven't heard of. Definitely a unique game. And yeah, I mean, that's the kind of thing that you put in your collection and no one else has it. So it's really cool to have. Um, I guess let's just wrap everything up till here. Just let everybody know social medias for you so that they can check out your journey, see your collection, things along those lines. Yeah. Fantastic. So I'm growing uh, the Instagram channel right now. Uh, my handle or, or username for that is broken arcade. Uh, you can see most, I mostly do reels about minute minute reels on the arcade showcase. I also you can find me on YouTube, Broken Arcade. I'm working on putting more uh, longer form content there. I've, I've got a couple arcade walkthroughs, arcade tours, and some fixing fixer-upper type stuff. I do need to shoot more content, longer form content, but I'm mostly focused on Instagram. Again, it's, it's a hobby working, these, working on the social networks that, you know, I've got work a lot of other projects. So if you want to hit me up on Instagram and you're into the nostalgia, go there, Broken Arcade. That'd probably be the primary stop. Awesome. Well, I'm going to throw all those links down in the description so you can check out Broken Arcade, see all the games that Till's got in his garage. It's a pretty wild collection, so you should definitely check it out. Um, And if you're still watching, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. We appreciate everybody that follows us along on this journey. And until next time, peace.